So back in the day, I'd say, what, 2010, Jeffrey? Did you watch a lot of hockey YouTube? 2010. Is it around 2010? Around there. Mm, I don't think I did. No, so 2010. You've never heard of uh, the blog salming videos? No. I, 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 I may have not been introduced to the internet by then. Yeah, so Jeffrey I, actually lived in a rock, under a rock until about 2013, 2014, and was like, I don't know, 2014, he emerged from the rock, from the cocoon like a butterfly, and was introduced to the internet. But besides that, there is actually a video called The Draft Pick, and it's actually them trying to pronounce a player that was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. And they go through many iterations, like Bifuglian, when it is actually Jeffrey Buffley. There you go. So why I bring this up today is a great video. If you've never seen it, it's like, it's like two minutes long. Okay, send video. me the link after. Send me the link after we're done recording. Okay. And second of all, is this the end of Bifuglian? Um... Well, he got his contract terminated today, and that's what I should probably know. He had his contract terminated today by mutual consent. What do you think? I I, I think it's... Uh, see, like, I, based on what we've heard from Kevin Shevoldayoff, I think this is the end of Bifuglian. I don't really see him coming back, to be honest. I mean, like... It's not like he didn't like Winnipeg. It wasn't anything like that, I think. It was just he didn't love hockey as much anymore. Like, that's what it sounded like. So, unless he finds that love again, which I think it's pretty hard after this year, plus what's ever happening in the world right now. Like, I, I have a hard time seeing by Fuglian coming back. Well, I, I think I agree with you. This one for Buffalo. I think he's earned, what, $66 million in his contract, in his career. He's, he's earned a lot of money. Yeah, like, I think he's not loving it as much anymore. And, you know, playing hockey does play a, put a toll on your body. And he's never, he's hasn't been too durable the last couple of years. And I think he wanted to go out on his terms and not going out when the game forces you to, which I think many players nowadays are kind of, that's the reality for them, right? They get forced out of the game and not on their terms. I think he's thinking, you know what? I think what he thinks maybe one or two more injuries and he might have to go out on hockey's terms and something I guess he doesn't really want to do. So I think I think for me, I think he's also at the end. And speaking of the end, let's do the opposite and start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we're back. And speaking of ending careers, I also missed one thing here. Jeffrey, you reminded me while we were talking. What did I miss? Well, you retweeted uh, a post saying that Andre Markov has also... Well, Bifuglian... I think I'm just going to keep calling him Bifuglian, but Bifuglian hasn't technically retired, but Andre Markov has, per his agent, has officially retired from professional hockey. And I think he's also a guy that 
he never like he didn't leave on his own like he left on his own terms right like maybe from the nhl maybe not as much because of uh the clash between him and the front office there but i think he kind of was able to leave on his own terms a little bit i think so i think he said you know what like i don't want to wait this out and he just went screw it i'm gonna go home spend some time with my family it's not a bad trade-off well, yeah, and I, I'm sure he's doing that right now. But, yeah, I think he also maybe even recognizing, right, like with the pandemic happening, whenever hockey does come back, right, it might not be the same as before. And, like, the conditioning is going to take longer. Like, for him to be back into the shape that he needs to be for a full season again, it might not be as easy as his age. So, I mean, he was a, definitely a servant in Montreal. Like, he... He played like forever. I honestly thought Montreal should have resigned him, but they kept lowballing him, and it was just sad to see him have to go to the KHL because I think he was still a productive NHL player up until his last season in sixteen seventeen. Like he probably could have played at least another year or two, but Montreal just wasn't really willing to give him that contract. But yeah, it's good to see like he's had a really long career. Um, I don't think. He's uh, he's not like an like I wouldn't call him say like a all like a Hall of Fame guy, but he's definitely like one of those like players that like will be remembered for that like that generation. I think for the two thousands like two twenty two thousands twenty tens. Yeah, I think that's pretty valid. Yeah, like I'm surprised he's never really been like been to an All Star game. Um, like the highest he's ever been voted on the Norris was sixth overall. Like I, I felt like he he seemed to me like a guy that should have been respected more across the NHL. But he are just you saying he's underrated? Good. Um, I think outside of Montreal, yes, he's underrated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like to me, he just seems like a guy that you know probably deserves a little bit more. Um, I don't know respect and yeah, I I think he he definitely should have been like if he was playing on a, like I don't know the, the teams in Montreal weren't that good either in the 2000s so mm-hmm. that might have like you know maybe he wasn't as popular there as, as like throughout the NHL but I would have expected him to you know garner a little bit more attention elsewhere yeah all right with that being said let's continue our series of compliance buyouts pretend compliance buyouts yeah and, and uh, you know speaking of Markov, I guess we might as well do the Atlantic because uh, yeah. that's also the only prep that you did because uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> so so for our listeners who wanted to listen to the Metro, sorry because Olsen uh, did not do the prep in the end. So I uh, guess we have to do the Atlantic. Yeah. You'll live and you'll learn. Yeah. So Olsen, um, with the Atlantic, we've got eight teams there and to be honest, I think the Atlantic was a little bit tougher because a lot of these players were signed to contracts that, you know, they're, they're, too, they're, they're helpful. They're still, like, they're good value contracts. So it was kind of hard to, like, find people to buy out. Mm, I don't know about that one, actually, to be honest with you. All right, give me an example. So, for example, the Canadians. All I think right. if you wanted two guys... I've got two easy ones, but like Jeffrey mentioned before, I didn't do much rep. I did one player. And 
when I was considering this, I thought Carl Alsner or Shea Weber. And I got a hot take for you. You just like doing the long ass contracts, eh? Right? Hey, Shea if, Weber. If you want the hottest of takes, Shea Weber and Carey Price. <laughs> but my hot take is Shea Weber. Um, so I think for many people, will be what? Why not call Alsner? He's in the AHL. But again, yeah, long contract are a big thing for me, right? Six years versus two years. 7.86 million at 40. Ooh, that's rough. I mean, Carl Alsner, I think he can maybe slot in as a 60 still. Um, and honestly, two more years, that's a big thing for me, right? If you look at the contract, 7.86 million, that grows heavy. And I think you're, you'd be doing a solid to not just yourself, but the National Predators. I wonder if you go to the National Predators and be like, hey, man, we'll buy him out if you help us out. We could use an extra draft pick. And uh, why I'm saying this is, well, he signed one of those really weird contracts. So every year where he stays, the recapture penalty gets more and more ridiculous. And I think I think there's, even if he chooses to retire, they're not going to make him do the entire recapture penalty. So Currently, uh, if he retires right now, the recapture penalty for the Nashville Predators is $4 million. Um, so until the end of his contract, there is actually a zero recapture penalty for the Montreal Canadiens. But if you go to the last year, 2025-2026, it's a $24.5 million cap recapture penalty, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, but I'm wondering if you really want to do it because, hey, maybe he retires, but maybe he just continues playing, which I think, Shea Weber say it's not a bad thing, right? So I'm wondering if instead you just would want to do that for this the short term short term loss for the long term gain. What do you think, Jeffrey? Um I I think he'll probably be the first captain that's considered that's ever been considered to be bought out like this. But I really don't see it in much I think Shea Weber's like he's have he's had a good season this year. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't been bad or anything, but I look at Carl Alsner's situation, and he provides less than zero value, right? Yeah, I understand. I think like one guy plays in the AHL, like that should be enough for someone to say. And he's like, not hey. even a good AHLer, right? Like yeah. he's so I get with Shea Weber, like it's a long contract. If he does retire, the recapture penalty is going to be bad. But yep. I think for Montreal's sake, right? Like I look at this team, and I think they would rather some leadership on the back end because I don't think Jeff Petrie is going to resign back in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I think they would like rather have like a leader like Shea Weber back there and like trying to lead this young team instead of, you know, getting rid of him and having to basically rebuild their defensive core again. Right. Like I think that with Shea Weber, like it's going to suck, but like, I think like the longer he plays, were you saying that his recapture penalty gets worse the longer he plays, or for Nashville? Yeah, but like the ter- like the length of time is going to be better, right? So like, I would think I'm not 100 percent sure with the captures, right? But like, I think Montreal would rather keep Shea Weber. Like, I don't see them desperate enough for cap space that they're going to need to, you know, get rid of a big contract like Shea Weber. I think like a yeah. Carl Alsner would make sense. And if they really wanted to, they could do like a Paul Byron as well. Yeah. Paul Byron. 
Yeah, well, Paul Byron's kind of like, oh, we had extra money because we didn't get any center. So we gave you a, a big extension that wasn't really worth it. So, so I see Paul Byron. I've got two players. One, I think, has been more realistic than the other one. So I'll start with a bit more realistic one. Could you see Ben Chariot getting bought out? Uh, over who, though, right? Like, yeah. Like, I think, well, like, Byron has a longer contract. It's only $100,000 less, right? So. I think you would go off of Paul Byron. Carl Osner is like his contract's lar- larger. Like yeah. I think Ben, sh- sh- uh, be- like he probably won't get. Um, Who Jeffrey? You want to say his name? I I don't get that one. Who? Who are we talking about? I want to call him Chariot, but Sherrod. So let's call him. We had this talk like way back when, when I couldn't pronounce his name, but uh. Ben Sherratt, I think he he he's lower on the list of people being potentially bought out, but mm-hmm. I would even say he's lower on the list than uh, Carey Price. That's who I was going to be my second hot take. There's like okay, I know they're not going to do it. I understand they're not going to do it, but is there a conversation? So I'm asking for like, sure. Conversation for I think and not like, in the media. You know the media has been like we're going to do it, but like I'm saying in general, is there a conversation? I think for sure there is. It's going to be longer than the flurry conversation in Vegas that you suggested last week, yeah. because they do have Caden Primo who's coming up, right? So it's not—it's like they can replace him, Carey Price, if they needed to. It's just—I mean, how much money are you paying for a player not to play on your team, right? That's a lot of money for the owner. And I but get do you Olsen, really think the owners care? Um, like, I genuinely I, don't think they care. Yeah, I guess like. To me, like I don't really see Montreal needing that much money. Like they, they, they just haven't seen like a team that's needed to spend up to the cap because they couldn't attract any players, right? So, yeah, like I get it's a big, long ass contract, but that doesn't seem to have hampered them. And I mean, for the next two, three years, maybe not. But like the thing is, it's like another seven years, right? So mm-hmm. maybe in seven years, is it going to hamper them? Possibly, but like I. Like I think it's a conversation, but I just don't think it's ha- going to happen, like you said. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And uh, we're going to move on to the next team here. Next team I want to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I honestly looked at it and I wanted to come up with a bunch of players so I could just make fun of Jeffrey and everything. If you look at their cap, I'd say they're relatively well optimized. Like. I think that's what I said before at the beginning of this podcast, right? It's like a lot of teams in the Atlantic, yes, they've got a lot of money tied up to players, but they're important players. So like, you can't just really just buy them out, right? So that's that's the problem I see with like a team like Toronto, right? Like, yes, you got a lot of money tied up to the big four in Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander. Are you going to buy any of them out? No. You got all these, like, you know, your role players, Kerfoot, Captain, Hyman, Janssen. All you know, making decent amount of money, but are they worth buying out? No. So, to me, like, if Toronto's going to try get out of this cap situation, if the cap th- doesn't go up, then it's going to be a trade, right? It's not going to yeah. be buying out at someone. So, like, maybe what Toronto does is, you know, trade when they're trading the rule guys, they trade for a piece that another team needs to buy out. Maybe get some assets back that way. They're giving up a pretty good at like so like say I'm just making this up on the spot but like say you trade I don't know like Kapanen 
to, uh, or sorry, like Kerfoot back to like Vancouver, right? And you take back one of those like Roussels and Beagles or whatever, and then you buy them out. Maybe you get back like another asset with the Beagle Roussel type of thing. I don't know. That's just making it up on the spot. But like, I think with the Maple Leafs, yes, their cap is shit, but they really don't have anyone they can buy out. I think they don't need to, honestly. Like, okay, let's be honest here. And they're not buying out their top four forwards. And that's a given. Mm-hmm. Look at the depth, guys. I mean, like, no, I don't see any bad contracts here, right? Like, these are all tradable contracts, the expensive ones, right? Like, a guy like Janssen, you know, or a Kerfa, like, there's all tradable values. There's no real need for you to be buying them out. And they've got no one buried in the minors. I think it's a very well-optimized team. Like, I know as much crap as you give the Toronto Leafs saying, hey, Maple Leafs saying, hey, you're spending so much, much on this, this, and this. But if you think about it, like, these guys are getting that amount in free agency regardless. Yeah, and probably more in free agency, right? So I think with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you just, you know, it's just simple. I don't think they're going to have any team. They're not going to really buy out anyone. But they're probably going to have to do a couple of trades for sure. But you know what's going to happen, though? What? You'll get, like, at least a dozen articles in TSM being like, they should buy out Janssen. They should buy out Kapanen. They should buy out Hall. They should buy out Campbell. They should buy out... They'll, there'll be at least one that like, should the Leafs consider buying out Mitch Marner? Could, should the Leafs <laughs> consider buying out Alex Kerfoot? Not, not Kerfoot, sorry, Willie Nylander? Would it be too crazy? If they bought out John Tavares, I could see like a Jake Muzzin article coming out, but yeah, and then you'll the see ones, you'll see another one being like you'll see another one being like immediately if they bought out Jake Muzzin, does that affect Kyle Dubas's reputation in attracting free agents? Do the Leafs have to overpay free agents because of the market they're in? And then my response would be like. If they did, it's because of the media. These are the stories are the re- exact reason why they have to do that. <laughs> it's just clickbait at that point. I think. Oh, fully. 100%. Yeah. It's just clickbait. I think they, you know, it's just, I, but I also think they're smart enough to some of the writers that they realize, they, they can look at this team and be like, really, is there anyone that, they, that they can buy out? Not really. Let's move on to another team that actually has something that we can write about that's actually reasonable. Montreal Canadiens, should they consider buying out Carey Price? No, that's that's for sure going to be an article. Oh, you know it. You have them on TV. The, they're all on there being like, what if... How much wanna, How much do you feel that there'd be at least one article on if they should buy out Mitch Marner? I'd say two. You say, you say there's a couple, eh? Yeah, I'd say two and that's the end of it. Is Mitch Marner... Affecting the locker room, should they buy them out? But like at the same time, you can find value, right? Like that's the thing with these buyouts. Oh, like, it's not fully a clickbait thing. It's, there's no yeah. way they're gonna be a lot. The Leafs are being like, let me buy out Mitch Marner. Yeah, for sure. You, could, you if they did that, you could literally hear all the NHL GMs salivating. Basically. <laughs> all right, another team that mm, I I don't know. I look at this team and. Maybe you buy some players out. Maybe you don't. But uh, Ottawa, do you really need to buy anyone out? Here's the thing, though. 
Does ownership let them buy them out? See, I don't think ownership wants to buy out players, right? Because then that means those players have to, you know... They still get paid, that's the thing. Yeah, like, right? I could see Bobby Ryan being bought out. Ooh, Same with uh, like Nikita Zaitsev being bought out. But the thing is, again, yeah. like, we're, of course, these are considerations that there is no, you don't have to pay them, right? So like that changes a lot, I understand. Um, no, don't you still have to pay them? Like you do. So like, yeah, I'm saying, yeah. yeah, you do have to pay them, but I'm saying if we, you didn't have to pay them, I could see Ottawa taking those to the chop block. Seven and a half million, four and a half million. Like I, there might, I know people would say, oh, this is just because the most expensive players. No, right? Like if you look at how they've done this year, I know Bobby Ryan's come from exceptional circumstances. So that may be different, but seven and a half million is a lot for a player like him. And Nikita Zaitsev, they've got so many years left, hasn't done this that well this year, right? 12 points, 58 games. Like that's kind of the, you can, I think around 20 points is kind of where his, his offensive production is. I don't know if you want to pay four and a half million dollars with that a and B it's also, he's, got to modify no trade clause for 10 teams right that's gonna be harder to deal him yeah and you know what i like they also need to reach the cap floor right so they gotta have some you know heftier contracts so i think of ottawa like again another team that really doesn't need to buy out to anyone i think well i think you also have to consider the fact that they have um tom shabbat making seven million next year and they have Right, they'll have another five point, almost five point five million on the injury reserve next year. Yeah, so they'll they'll, they'll make it, but I'm just I was just joking around saying that. So like yeah. I, I like I think reasonably Zaitsev would be a guy that you would buy out. Like Bobby Ryan, I think is a little bit harder given the circumstances. It's hard to but judge where exactly he fits in his skill ability, right? Now. I understand that. Yeah, um, but I could see Zaitsev being a guy that they move on from. Especially since it's like, like Bobby Ryan, I could see at least you need a guy, you need a forward over thirty. I would like, I think as in the leadership. I mean, role. I think you can definitely sign those guys, right? Especially if you look at, for example, Vancouver, right? We look at Vancouver, the guys we talked about. I think yeah, those guys are over thirty, so a bit of leadership there. Like, I think there will be leadership. I don't think you, and when you sign a guy for the intangibles. I ne- I don't think it's a great op- great idea to sign those guys for long term for high money for the intangibles. Right? Intangibles are generally, if it's just intangibles, you can figure that out. Right? I don't well, know. no, well, I just think it's good to at least have a guy who's played in the NHL more than three years on Ottawa. So I, that's that's, that, why that just... Mike, that's why you have Mark Borowiecki. I know, but maybe you want a forward as well. You know, you got to spread the leadership around. Can't Mark Borowiecki can't you know. Be the leader for everyone on the team. Uh, I don't know. All right, what's next? Let's uh, continue on our Canadian trip there. Are there any more Canadian teams? There are no more Canadian teams. My Canadian <laughs> trip is over. Wow, great work, Olsen. Great work, Olsen. Let's go great. quickly over the border. Let's go to board, uh, Let's go to the Sabres. Is it for essential travel? It is for imaginary travel, so it's still allowed. Okay. Use your imagination here. Gosh. Um, trying, so trying. when it came to the bu- uh, Buffalo Sabres, I had a couple things. First off, Carter Hutton's 34. What? I thought he was like 29. <laughs> well, it sounds like he, he came in like late, right? He was a late bloomer. So 
Like, I, I can see him being 34, but you're right. He is a bit older than everyone thought he was. So, I guess, is there a conversation about Jeff Skinner? Uh, is, is there, it's also like, is this like first year jitters? Or like, he's still young, right? Like, he's 27. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, if he doesn't have a place beside Jack Eichel, who does he have a place beside? I guess right? my my thinking here is like, here's your, you don't know when the next compliance battle is going to be, right? You have <laughs> yeah. an exit here. Do you take the exit with the understanding that, hey, you know what? This may not happen the rest of his career. And so if you don't do it now, there's a chance that you'll never be able to do it. I think, again, for me, it's like, does Buffalo need the cap? Do they need that opening? Like, they, they might need it, but I'm also looking in a way that, like, this, like, maybe he just needs a centerman and maybe he ends up being back on the top line with Eichel next year. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, like, the only way Buffalo can, like, make Skinner's contract more palpable is by putting him beside Eichel and, you know, that's not that bad of an option, but like they really missed on Casey Middlestat and Alex Nylander. Yeah. So they really don't have like maybe um Dylan Cousins is the guy to put besides. Yeah. But I-, I think you keep on to Skinner just because he's still younger and mm-hmm. like I get nine millions a lot, but I think you get rid of Ocpozo first at six yeah. million. So yeah, Ocpozo's my my Guess too, but I'm wondering about those conversations. I think you have a very long and hard conversation with a guy like Jeff Skinner, but I think Oposo is the one you're like, yeah, we're ready to move on. Um, I know a lot of it comes down to injury, and you know, again, non circumstances are not in his control. Um, so when we look at it, you know, this year, 19 points, 52 games. I think his peak is kind of where he was last year on 30 points or 78 games. I think around 30 points probably where about his peak is. I'd like to think he could be a bit better, like production-wise, but I'm not – let's say he gets the 35 points. I still don't think he's worth $6 million for another three years, right? No, and, like, you know, thinking about the Skinner thing, right? Like, Ocpozo got his contract because of his year beside Tavares. Yeah. Skinner got his deal for – because of his year beside Eichel. So, I mean, you could kind of see the comparison. Eichel. Well, Skinner. Well, no, when Skinner, like last year when he played with Eichel, right? That's how he became that 40 goal scoring. That's why he got 9 million. I guess. Eight. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Right? Yeah. So, I think maybe there's also that cautionary tale, right? Like, yes, you're okay with Skinner for the next three, four years, but if he's not on Eichel's line for those last four years, his contract's going to be dead weight. Yeah, not dead weight. It's gonna be. It's gonna look t- bad and not like Skinner's not gonna be able to produce. Kind of like what Ocposo's doing right now. So, I think for sure you have that conversation with with Skinner, but I do think it's too early. He's he's definitely he's like he's on the right side of thirty. He's entering his prime. It could just be one bad season. Maybe he just needs a centerman. I think you give Skinner at least a, a more of a look than you would uh, th- like than Ocposo. So here, here's a unrelated question because you know me. I love going off the, ro- the rails a little bit. Does Jack Eichel provide the Kunitz effect? The Kunitz effect for me is 
you find a winger who's able to keep the speed of Crosby, and he will produce. Isn't that just you know like a star player that just makes other people better? The people, the people around him better. Is that? Uh, but the thing is, I don't think. About? Yeah, but I don't think. Maybe not as extreme as Chris Kunitz, but when we look at many star players, I don't think they are able to provide the Kunitz effect, quote unquote, as effective as a Crosby or Eichel. Right. Like for example, if you look at, if you look at, I would say. Connor McDavid, for example, doesn't provide the Kunitz effect as well as Jack Eichel, in my opinion. Or if you look at, a, you know, like a John, not John, um, Austin Matthews, I don't know if he provides the Kunitz effect as effective as Eichel. I think a big thing here is the fact that it, it, you see kind of, maybe you, you see like a modified Kunitz effect on teams that aren't that good that are focused on one line only. Mm-hmm. Like you, you kind of look at the Islanders, right? When Tavares, you know, helped out Moulson and Ocposo, there wasn't a lot of depth behind him, so that's why you know those numbers jumped up. So like, great. So like, I don't know if Eichel has, like, I would say Eichel has more of a Tavares Islander effect mm-hmm. compared to a a Crosby effect. Like, I think Eichel is like Tavares in that he gets his wingers paid, yeah. and then his wingers aren't able to do much without him. So I wouldn't call it the Kunitz effect. I would call it uh, the Tavares Islander days effect. Sure. Doesn't roll off the time Same state. Well. Same state, yeah. Same state. But, like, I, I, I think Jack Eichel makes the people around him better, but those players aren't able to survive away from him. And I think that's what we've seen with Jess Skinner this year. Yeah. So besides that, if we don't consider Skinner Ocposo, I think they've they've done very well. I think if you look at their salary cap table, they've got everyone as a free agent this year, and then everyone who's not is a free agent the year after. Like I don't think there's anyone where you're like, I'm dying to get rid of here. Well, they're kind of like the LA Kings, right? Because they're so bad that they don't have anyone signed long term. Well, no, I think what they have is I think they they're consciously understood it and was like hey you know what this is our window and once our window's over we can quickly retool from this or quickly rebuild whatever we want to do and that's how they've structured their salary cap and i think that's a good thing (laughs) do you think it's more that they're rebuilding and that's and they just suck and you know they they don't trust anyone to play for them too long because they don't know when their window is actually ever going to start and that's why all the contracts are ending I could see ownership telling the team, hey, you know what? Like, we're willing to fund this team to the cap up to a certain time. Once, if you can't win the cup by then, then you got to tear it down. But they weren't trying to win it in those last two or three years. They haven't been trying to win it in the last two or three years. I think I they've just... been trying to win it, but they really just are missing a lot of the pieces. I think they're, th- I think, honestly, I think part of their thinking was, you know what, if we get to the playoffs, then we can build on it, and then maybe we could sell the owners on an extra year. But they really haven't done that, where they can't go to the owners and be like, look, what if our window goes from 2020 to like 2021? We've reached the conference semifinals this year. We're the quarterfinals last year. Like, there's a nice little progression here. And I think they haven't done that. So ownership's just been like, shut it down two years from now. Uh, if, you can't, if you can't meet our, our targets. 
Yeah, I think they just needed to have like a firm reset, and that's why all the contracts are ending this year. That's just me, like kind of like Minnesota, right? Where they have like, so many UFAs in our face. Resets, though, right? Unless like you, it's not going so well. Kind of though, like you sell off all your like uh, longer contracts that you don't think are going to be part of your next window, mm-hmm. and like that's what I kind of see with Buffalo. That like they've got a fairly firm reset right there. With like this this year, a lot of people are have expiring deals next year, and then there's going to be the expansion draft. So then I think they're going to be restarting anew so yeah I, I i think it's more of a it's hard to compliment a team that's bad that has a lot of expiring contracts and saying that they have a good cap situation yeah it's a little hard to say that i think yeah so i think this one is a pretty easy one to find someone let's go to one that's a little harder okay boston bruins like i said before i just don't think that there's anyone that you can really buy out. Well, yeah. okay. Me, I would... I, I considered John Moore because he really hasn't been much. He's been a bit part player with the Bruins. And, like, he looked like he could be, like, you know, a pretty solid number 5D, number 4 5D. Yeah. But he's never turned out to be much. So they signed him to four years and he hasn't... Well, no, they signed him to a five-year deal, right? I yeah, five-year deal. So... He hasn't really done much, so I think that's a guy that you can maybe say like, "Hey, we can we can find someone cheaper, and we're okay with paying the the money for the buyout." I think John Moore, but other than that, it's it's like the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? All these guys are on the contracts that are worth what they are, um, so it's kind of hard to buy them out, and like they're still competing, so you can't really buy out older players that maybe the contracts aren't worth it, but they're still valuable enough to the team that you can't buy them out. Spicy take. Do you, you think there's at least a conversation on buying out David Pasternak? Uh, not Pasternak, sorry, Krejci. Pasternak, no. No, Pasternak, no. Yeah. Krejci. Is Krejci, there a, is there a, no. No? No conversation at all? <sighs> like, who, you're, you're, next year, you're, like, for the next season, you're resigning Tory Krug. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and oh, and Jake DeBrusque. Those are your two big ones. I could see you resign Krug, and then DeBrusque gets a bridge deal, and then mm-hmm. next year, then the year after that, Krejci's deal is off the books, and then you can use that money to resign DeBrusque. So I, I think they have. They're not too worried, and I think Krejci plays an integral part on this team. That you can have him for one more year, and he isn't going to hurt your chance of contending next year as much as if you would buy him out. Yeah, I think for me, I was like, I don't want to see anyone if they're buying someone out. It's going to be, I, I was like, maybe the conversation yeah, for Krejci, but like, like besides that, I don't really see anyone you really wouldn't even really talk to. I think John out. Moore is a pretty solid. John Moore? Yeah, just because for a guy who's been in the press box, paying him over two, paying oh. over 2.5 million for a guy to send the press box is a little bit much. So mm-hmm. that, that, that would be my pick. So. Like, yeah, like that's the one you're just like maybe like. Yeah, like, and he did play in the playoffs last year, and he he was serviceable, but you don't pay someone to be serviceable at two point seven five for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Like I think they've done well. I think that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, Boston's done well. They they've uh, got some uh, team friendly deals there for sure. Definitely, I think that's important when you're becoming a contender. So. 
on the flip side of being a contender, the Detroit Red Wings. Where do we go from here? Oof. Um, I see with Detroit, I think they have some bad contracts, but they've also got some leaders who are on those bad contracts. So it, it's kind of hard. Like, do you, you know, go for the dressing room help or do you uh, cut some bad contracts? Because like this team is like, they're but like Buffalo, right? They don't really have, they're not really contending anytime soon. So yeah. a lot of the guys who are in their leadership group aren't going to be part of the next contending group. So I could, I, I, I would argue that you might look at a friend's Nielsen and an applicator and say like, bye-bye. Yeah. I think that's the easy way of looking at the applicator and Franz Nielsen. I think Nielsen, especially when you look at a leadership group type of idea, like, He's not one of those guys that are homegrown and like been there forever, like Abdul Kader, right? But so I guess it's a bit easier in that sense. But like Abdul Kader, especially how he plays, I think he's on the trajectory of a Milan Lucic. I know him and Milan Lucic are relatively same age, but I think that's the trajectory of the skills. Um, and that is he not past? He's past the Milan Lucic stage. I think he he's further down the the path of Milan Lucic than Milan Lucic. You think so? I think he's almost very close to it. Well, I mean, at least Abdulkader can, you know, kill penalties, but, like, he's a fourth-line guy. Lucic, I think, is at least a third-line guy. Okay. Okay, so I think that furthers, that reinforces my statement, but I guess my other player where I'd consider would be a Danny DeKaiser. Um, maybe... Two more years left, modified no-trade clause, five million... This year, he played eight games at four points. Last pre- two previous years. Three previous years, he's had no more than 20 points. Right? Like, not what they expected. No, yeah. I, I could see the Kaiser being moved more for... But, like, it's it's a hard thing because... So, Detroit has a lot of these defensive prospects. Do you want the Kaiser to help them? grow into the NHL or do you want to get rid of the Kaiser so you can give them more ice time? I think that's the question there for Detroit. Resign a Jonathan Erickson a one-year cheap team-friendly deal. No, I think Jonathan Erickson's done, like, from the NHL. Okay, if he's done, if he's done. But, like... Hear me out first, hear me out first, hear me out first. Yeah. So I think you, like, with the Detroit Red Wings, they love keeping those homegrown guys in the organization, right? I think you, if he's done... I think you keep him as an assistant coach and there's your mentorship or whatever you want to call it on the ice. And you sign someone else to play your five or six to be that, you know, on ice mentor or whatever you want to call it. Like I don't think you keep a guy on a $5 million deal for two more years, taking up ice time for your development prospects as a rebuilding team for the leadership role. Your leadership role, if it's just for leaders, like if you're keeping him just because he's a leader, that's not worth five million in my books, at least. No, I yeah, I would agree with that. I just think like it, it would be like I would rather have a guy who's been there long than having to sign, like you know, like sign a free agent to come and play that leadership role on a new team. Like I mean, like if you could find like a Ron Haynesy type, that that would be perfect, but. I think in Detroit right now, like, like I think you have good choices already in Applicator and Nielsen. I think the Kaiser is third on that list. I don't know. I think it's a close tie for a third. But I don't think it's a wrong answer to pick either one of them. 
No, I don't think so. And you know, you know, you look at the cap, and you know, kind of looks a little bit like Buffalo, and you're a bad team, so you have uh, all your con- no one signed long term. So I mean, like if you look at bu- look at the difference between here and Buffalo, Buffalo is that there's way less UFAs, a lot more RFAs, which is a good sign for a rebuilding team, right? RFAs, you know, generally younger guys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what you what you're trying to do here, right? And I think. It's a bit of a it's a smart it's a smart move for them. Don't get me wrong; it's definitely a smart move for them to. This is the way to rebuild, in my opinion. This is the right way to rebuild. Yeah, and they were also kind of the team that was like, "Hey, let's try out all these guys on a one for one year, and if they're good, we'll resign them as um after because they're going to be our phase. We'll have their rights anyway. So if they worked out well after one year, we'll sign them. If not, you know, maybe we'll go to arbitration and then trade them." the year after right like I, that's kind of what Detroit kind of did this year with all of their trades and you know waiver pickups right so I, I, I could see you know Detroit they're further along in the rebuild like they're on they're at least on the stage that they're trying to find which prospects are going to work for them they're not at the point where their prospects haven't been even picked yet right mm-hmm. and I think though it's one last thing that she drove I was like what that's insane Sam Gunny is 30 uh, he, he, he probably came in the NHL when he was 18, I feel. Yeah, he was. He was one of those guys came in at 18, but like, when I saw it, it was like, he, he's 30. I feel like he's like 35, 30. I feel like he's been in the NHL forever. See, like, that's the thing. Like, I, like, I don't know if age matters as much now, as much as like years of experience. Oh, it has nothing to do with that. I think I just like when someone tells me, Hey, Sam Gagne is 30. If I was in a bar and you know, you came to me and was like, yo, Sam Gagne is 30. I'd be like, no, he's not. He's like 35. True, true. Uh, but before we move on, let's talk about our friends. Who are our friends, Jeffrey? I don't know. I don't think we have friends. We just do a podcast with each other. We have friends at Anchor. Yes, we do. And we would like to just share a quick message about our friends Anchor. And we're back. Wow, we learned so much about our friends at Anchor. That's awesome. All right, so let's keep moving on. It's really cold in Detroit, and it's really cold in Winnipeg, really cold in Toronto. So, you know, at these times when I can't think, of, I can't think of going on travel plans and going to somewhere warm. I think of the hockey teams that represent the warmth, and there's two that represent the warmth for me the most. They are the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. So let's end on a bright note, and let's start with the Florida Panthers. I'm going with the assumption that you're not buying out Bobrovsky. One year, you put all that money in. For a team that's not very cash-rich, you don't really do that, I feel like. But for me, I think there's two names. First one I want to talk about is Mike Matheson. I think... That's been a bit of a mistake. I, like if you look how he's done this year, he's done. He's got. Let's get there. I had this on my notes. Twenty points, fifty nine games. Um, he's never really passed thirty points, and I know that's worth a lot in this NHL. Um, but if you look at it, he's got how many more years left? He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more years left. Right? He's got sorry, six more years left. 
and at 4.875 for a guy who generally isn't the most reliable defensively. Um, is that something you really want at 4.875? I think at four, it's it's tolerable, but 4.875 for six more years. I don't know how I feel about that one. I get it. There's some bit of loyalty to your homegrown guy, but I don't know if you are willing to pay 4.875 for six more years. What do you say, Jeffrey? I think he's he kind of was on that um the Zaitsev. Well, no, sorry, Zaitsev was on the Matheson track, right? Like a guy coming in who's like in his like low mid twenties, looked yeah. okay. Let's sign him to like a long ass deal because it's gonna look good at the end of the deal. And seems to me he hasn't really turned out um as good as a player. But like I think that there's some in this instance having some, you know cost like knowing his cost right i think what's it called it's not cost security but like to me i think he's not he wouldn't be my first pick to be moved like i get i think he still has a chance to get better yeah but also like as he's kind of been framed into more of a two-way slash defensive defenseman when i think he's more offensively minded Mm -hmm. i think you might see him grow a little bit better when keithy andal's gone and I don't know if it's... But to assume that Keith Yandel's going to be going, like if you look at Keith Yandel's contract. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Keith is the guy that he's going to be moved on this this year, but yeah. I do see him eventually one day regressing. And then that's when Matheson steps up a little bit. Like, I think you look at the the second guy probably on your list, like Anton Straubin. I think that would be my pick for a guy to be bought out at this I point. Think- when you look at Anton Strauman, if you consider buying him out, you're not buying him out because of this year's performance. It's the you're buying him out for the expectation of his future performance. So yes. this year, I know he's not all right. Like plus minus, he could have been a bit better. But if you look at his offensive totals, it's fine. But you're not getting Anton Strauman for his offensive totals, or you're getting him for his blocking ability. And the concern, I guess, is where you'd say do you really run the risk of him regressing? Because, you know, if he doesn't regress and you look at his contract, it's not terrible. Five and a half for two years, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. But if he still is able to provide you, what, like almost 100 blocks or 80 blocks, it's not terrible. But, you know, blocking is very painful and is not good for your body, (laughs) right? So there is a bit of a risk there. And, you know, and how he plays generally – results in injuries so he's not the most durable guy i think he's you can probably pencil him in for about 75 games a year i think that's not bad i understand but if you look at it as long as you provide the expectation is if he's unable to continue being a great blocker and being a great hitter that's concerning yeah i think with math like with strawman i think the, like the chance of him not regressing is really really low so yeah you would probably just buy him out for you know like um just because uh like you think he's gonna regress and i think at, like you uh, in florida you don't want to take that chance plus i mean like there are also a team that loves to play defenseman at forward so clearly i think they need to get rid of a defenseman so i think you just you know strawman just seems like the more reasonable pick at this point yeah, I think like the other concern for me is that his possession numbers are really concerning. If you look at the advanced stats, 
Corsi's not great. Fenwick's not great. But if you also look at the traditional stats, sure, you could argue he's gotten a lot more takeaways this season. But he's also one shy of his career high in giveaways. And I think if you look at the season where he did get his all-time high in giveaways, played 81 games. This season he played 69 games. I think if you let's say he puts in 71 games, for example, I think you're got you're pretty close to his all-time high of giveaways. And I don't know. I don't for a guy who's supposed to be defensive defenseman, you're generally the last line of defense, right? Um, you your partner who's a bit more offensively inclined would be the one who's more prone to giveaways because they're playing a riskier game. Um, so do you really want your last line defense giving up the puck that much? Um, I guess for me, it's more like when I look at this, like you would have to compare him with all his teammates, right? Like even though, because like you're not expecting him to be the one that's, you know, bringing the puck out as much. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little harder to say whether, you know, oh, he's getting close to his giveaways. But, like, I, I think in Florida, they're more of a puck-moving team. Like, compared to when he was playing in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't asked. He's kind of more just there to, like, play. Plop you there and get just get it done. Yeah, right? So it's a little harder to say that, I think. It, that Well, I mean, it's my opinion, I think. so. Well, I mean, all of yeah. this is opinion, right? Like, all of this entire show is based on... You and I giving right. our opinions. Yeah. So like, if you look, <laughs> yeah. But like, okay. Let if you look at say his um, giveaways per sixty, right? Mm-hmm. He is sixth on Florida with giveaways at under two giveaways per sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. Number one is Mike Matheson at over three, right? So yeah. like you can see, like he isn't giving the puck away as much, maybe more than usual. But I think that's more the evolution of the game more than you know him necessarily regressing in skill but i do think he is going to regress in skill so it does make sense to move on from Mike Matt, um from anton showman sorry perfect um so with that we have one more team left we've got All right. the tampa bay lightning anton strowman's old team <laughs> for me i think if you look at it ryan mcdonough ooh Seven years left, six years left at 6.75 per 50 games, at 12, 50 games this season, 12 points. If you look at his stats, I feel like you're just looking at regression happening right, right in front of us. I think for a guy like him, it's hard though. I think how he plays is concerning. Um, not concerning in a sense, but it's not the most durable. I think if you look at just a straight point total, there's a little just regression going there. Um, analytically his Corsi numbers are getting worse and worse each year. Um, and he's playing sheltered minutes and it's already worse. It's getting worse and worse. That's the thing. Right. So that my concerns there, I think you, again, this is one more of a buyout for the long term. That's what, you know, me and buying out for the future. That's my thing. Um, besides that though, right? Like if you look at the rest of their roster, Tyler Johnson, maybe, um, Going back to McDonough, like I wonder how much of it is his deployment. His, he's of course being deployed more on the defensive zone, fifty-four uh, percent. But if you look at his time, if you look at his career as a whole, he's generally been deployed as a defensive player his entire career. The only time it was deployed more as an offensive player 
was in his first season with the Rangers, uh, and it was 49.6% defensive zone. Like, it's a very, very minimal. He's generally always been deployed as a defensive player. Um, and it's not near his career high or anything, right? If you look at 2017-2018, first year with the Lightning, he got deployed 57%. And you would say, you know what? Small sample size. Uh, you look at his second year, he got deployed 57.8%. Or if you want another one, 2015-2016 and the Rangers, second last year, they almost 56.9, almost 57% of the time deployed as a, in a defensive zone. Uh, but if you look at his Fenwick, you generally see it. It's generally been positive, except for the beginning of his career, where it was eh. But as a young player, you know, the expectation's there. But if you look at the last couple of years, he's gone from a positive Fenwick relative amount to a negative amount. Look at his Corsi, it's gotten worse each year. So for me, that's a concern more than anything. Well, I think to me, it's like I would argue that when you said he played shelter minutes, I don't think he plays shelter minutes. I think he gets the toughest matchup every night. Yeah, what I mean by shelter minutes is he play, he's deployed as a, in defensive situations more often. I mean, that's a my bad. Well, that's not really <laughs> shelter. That's the opposite that's of not shelter. shelter. Yeah, that's what, what I meant by shelter was like he gets deployed at that time. Um. I I think I would have to argue with you in saying that McDonough is regressing. Like, I think it's his deployment where he's now dependent on being the one defensive with one defensive guy in Tampa Bay. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. I think Hedman is a great. He's probably one of the top top three defensemen in the NHL, and you know you he can be played in defensive zone. Mm-hmm. But I think you want Hedman to be in the offensive zone because you have a guy like McDonough to cover the defensive end, right? Yeah, that's a and, yeah. And like, yes, oh, his Corsi's and Fenwick's have gone down, but though the quality of competition he's facing is a lot stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. When he was in New York, he was, you know, the top pairing defenseman, not just for, like, defensive responsibilities, but also off- offensive responsibilities, right? Yeah. Here in Tampa, he's all about the defense now. So, I like I don't think he's regressing. I think his deployment is different, and that's why you're not going to see you know his shots and point totals going to be the way that he was in New York. But I think you're going to see him be more defensive minded. You know, maybe twenty five, maybe thirty points. Not really going to get any power play time, and that's kind of going to be the rest of his career. I think like he's not going to get a lot of points because he's not going to be on a power play. He's not going to have a lot of offensive zone um, time because there's guys like Hedman, Sergachev ahead of him. He's going to be, you know, part of that shutdown pair. So his, I think his advanced stats are always going to look bad because he's going to be a, up against the top guys. So I think that's just my preference. I, I do think I would agree with you that he does look like a candidate to be bought out, but I think it's a little harder to argue that. Okay. With that being said, is there someone else you think would be a better candidate? To me, like, that's the thing, like, the Atlantic Division, there, a lot of the teams have guys who are assigned to contracts that, you know, fi- like, they fair, they make fair sense, right? Like, they're not, mm-hmm. they might not yeah. be atrocious, but, like, they're, they're of value. So, I think it's kind of hard to really argue and say, like, certain guys. Tyler Johnson kind of made sense to me when you mentioned him. Yeah, because I think with Braden Point there now, right? It's he's kind of redundant at mm-hmm. five million per. But you look at these guys, and I think more like Toronto, right? Maybe you need to trade some guys if you want to get under the cap. 
Yeah. You might not buy them out, but you might trade some guys. What about Alex Kalorn? He's kind of like the Kunitz of the team where he's like a side piece. Like he's had a good season this year and I think he does enough for this team that he's worth his contract. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I mean, that's a very valid answer, I think. Yeah. yeah like I him, him, Palat, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, they're all like, they're, they're better than role players. Like they're not stars. Like they can't, you know, uh, like carry their own line, but like they're good side pieces basically. Right. And I think they're all worth their contracts. But if Tampa Bay needs to get rid of their contracts, I think they can find a taker for them, for, right. uh, with with like some value coming back at least. For yeah, sure. it's not yeah. going to be a salary dump. Yeah, I think that's that's a valid answer. Uh, speaking of speaking of buying out, though, did you know that Vincent LeCavalier is still being paid till 2025-2026? Yeah, I, I remember reading this. I think he's his buyout when they bought him out was like fourteen years long. That's his buyout length. Yep. So until twenty twenty five to twenty six, he's getting paid more than a one point seven five million in cash. Well, you know, at least it's not counting against the cap, right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Imagine if compliance buyouts counted at, against a cap at like a reduced rate or something, like half. Oh, that'd least. be game changing for many teams. Yeah, but like, thankfully that doesn't happen. But yeah, no, I remember look, look out, Clavi, look, look. Oh my god, I can't. Look Cavalier. Le Cavalier, he, I think out of all the buyouts from the last lockout, his was like the longest, right? Like it was 14 years. And, and it wasn't even Tampa that bought him out. I think it was Philly that bought him out, right? So it wasn't even, even Tampa Bay's fault. All right. And with that, we've covered the Atlantic. Um, oh. Did, did I miss a team? Wait, no. Oh, no, no, I lied. Philly, Philly didn't uh, buy him out. It was Tampa that bought him out. Yeah. My bad. And then he signed with Philly. Well, I was just going to mention that um, do some of the NHL teams know more than we do and then that they are giving out contracts worth more than a million dollars? What are you implying? Well, okay. Okay, again, St. Louis clearly does keep saying that they want to sign Pietrangelo, but then they give a contract extension to Scandella, which, you know, I get it. It makes sense that, you know, he's basically taking on Bo Meester's money. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to save that money for Pietrangelo? Or is this really the end, right? Like, And it's not like, oh, he was, Scandal was signed to like $2 million, right? It was like $3.275 million What if, hear me out, here, what if they're just going, screw it. We're just going to go right to the cap. And then when the NHL is like, considering what the next cap year, cap's going to be like, St. Louis Blues are like, hey, man, we already spent over the cap. What are you going to do? Screw us over? You can't screw us over. Raise the cap. But see, like, they're not there yet, right? They still have to sign. Like, the thing is, like, yeah, I, I just think it's weird, right? And, like, Corpus Salo signed a deal. Like, okay, granted, these aren't, like, big eh, deals. Not a big deal. Yeah, I think that's a They're not big deals, but still, like, compared to, like, the last month where no one would, none of the teams are willing to give out more than a million dollars, yeah. all of a sudden, like, does the NHL did the NHL send out like a confidential memo saying like, oh, this is going to be the cap next year? Start making some deals because we're not getting we're not in the news anymore. Mm-hmm. Like th- this this is it's interesting to me that you know teams are taking that risk right now. Yeah. That being said, my dinner is getting cold, so we've covered all the teams. And uh, have you ever heard of a microwave or an oven? It's fresh right now. Well. Oh, I can't use my oven because uh, <laughs> it keeps smoking. I need to get that figured out. So, 
Okay, and uh, any any other last words you want to say besides that? Um, if anyone knows, I should probably just ask my landlord. I've cleaned my oven a couple of times already, but um, I will let you know when uh, my oven stops smoking. But uh, we should let Austin get to his food. Um, you know, this week I think it's important to recognize um, that, you know, hopefully we'll see sports coming back soon. I mean, it's starting to come back in some parts of the world. Will it last? We don't know. But I think with the NHL and in North America, I think we just need to be cautious, kind of see what happens around the rest of the world. If it works out, we can kind of look at what they did right, what they did wrong, and follow their steps, the good stuff. But um, I think as sports fans, we just need to be cautious and see how sports will reopen in the near future. And for me, uh, two last things. First one, love y'all. Y'all are great. Stay safe. And the second one is the last final thing. Jeffrey's oven likes to catch on fire. Okay, it hasn't caught on fire. It's just a couple of times after I've... Oh, no. Okay, once or twice I've opened it and just smoke came pouring out. And nothing was on fire. Like, my pizza was fine. It just smoke came out of nowhere. So I don't know if it's the exhaust or if it's uh, something else, but uh, I'll get that checked and uh, update everyone, update our listeners next week on uh, what happens. All right. See y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Back Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.